0: Come on with it. Hey, y'all, this is Chigarticky. Welcome to the podcast. As always, I thank each of you for spending your valuable time here with me. Appreciate you being here. Okay, let's go back again to the early 1970s. This time, I'm a high school senior. It's about 7 in the morning. I'm standing at the kitchen counter punching number two pencils into a pencil sharpener, an electric one, which in those days is a luxury. As the electric motor whines, my mother stands beside me. She says, no, 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 that's too sharp. They'll break that one. She takes the pencil, breaks the point, hands it back and says, try again. Mother is a second grade teacher. Her seven-year-old students are, well, a little sneaky. They subtly break their pencils on purpose so they can get up from their little desks and wander back to the pencil sharpener, then slowly wander back to their desks. Mom has nipped this in the bud by purchasing a thousand pencils, an electric pencil sharpener, and relegating her own children to early morning sharpening duty. She has learned to walk the aisles of her classroom, and as soon as kids do break their pencils, she just hands them another one. Now... No more wandering trips to the pencil sharpener. And interestingly, fewer and fewer pencil points are being broken. Mom has recently returned to teaching after a nearly 20-year hiatus during which she raised us kids. Now with the family budget struggling and with myself and soon my siblings heading off to college, my dad's income isn't enough. So the previous summer... My mom floated a resume hither and yon, but got no job offers. In desperation, she drove down to the county board of education, walked into the personnel office, and said, I have to have a job. The personnel officer looked at her a moment and said, Well, I only have one job opening, and it's in an all-black school, and you wouldn't want to, I'll take it. My mother interrupted him. And you heard that right. This was 1971, when in the South, school districts were still defying the Supreme Court's Brown v. Board ruling by dividing themselves into all-white schools and all-black schools. But the federal heat was now coming down. The Justice Department was banging on the door demanding desegregation of these segregated schools. So the personnel director thought for a moment and said to my mom, well... You know, it might be a good thing if we send you to that black school. So there she went. Roosevelt City was the name of the little community that surrounded the school. It had all the characteristics of an underclass created by more than a century of racism. But it also had a vibrant warmth, an extraordinarily tight community an energy and passion my mother hadn't experienced in other schools. At supper, she would regale our family with stories from her day. One of my favorites had to do with the twins, Ronald and Donald. They were bright boys. But only Donald was interested in his schoolwork. Ronald was full of fun and mischief. When his work wasn't done on time, Mom would confront him. And at this very moment... Ronald would get the Holy Ghost. That is to say, he would be suddenly overwhelmed with a Pentecostal ecstasy that sent him rolling and thrashing on the ground and uttering gibberish. The rest of the students would scatter their backs to the wall, shouting, Ronald got the Holy Ghost! Ronald got the Holy Ghost! In a few moments, Ronald would calm down and say the Holy Ghost had taken all of his energy and he was just too tired to complete his work now well mom sat ronald down for a private conversation she told him that she too knew the holy ghost in fact ronald she said i've known the holy ghost a whole lot longer than you have and the holy ghost told me he has never interrupted you at school so ronald quit lying about the holy ghost the Holy Ghost does not like it when people lie about him. Ronald gulped, said, Yes, ma'am. And from then on, he did his work without interruption from the Holy Ghost. Mom came face to face with the specter of racism at Roosevelt City. I recall her coming home after the school had taken a field trip to the zoo. There she had accompanied her students in riding a small scale train through the zoo. At one point they passed under a bridge where a group of white children jeered at them calling out racial epithets. As mother told us this her face flushed with anger. They were laughing at us she said angrily. But she helped her students get revenge. They had struggled with reading, and Mom thought she knew why. This was when the so-called whole-language movement was coming into vogue. Reading instruction had begun to ignore phonics and sounds and spelling and operated on the belief the kids should memorize words and figure out their meanings. Mom thought this was nuts. Children need to learn the sounds letters make, she said, They need to learn how to put those sounds together, sound them out, and then hear and recognize the words they're saying. This and only this will encourage them to keep reading. She, of course, was talking about phonics. So she put aside the prescribed whole group language method and began teaching her children to read by phonics, by sounding out words. She got a member of our church, a computer programmer, to give her thousands of IBM punch cards, which she converted into flash cards of various sounds and sound combinations, and then she pressed our family into helping her prepare these cards. At the end of the year, when the standardized test results came back, Mom's students had outscored those in the more affluent white schools. This difference was so dramatic that the district suspected some sort of cheating and sent out people to retest. But her students once again rose to the occasion. Mom reveled in the thought that those white kids who had laughed at her students at the zoo were among those whom her students had outperformed in reading. Who's laughing now? In the years to come, Mom had opportunities to leave Roosevelt City for what the district considered, quote, more comfortable situations. But my mother was at home in Roosevelt City. It would be the school from which she retired. This Friday, October 22nd, would be Mom's 95th birthday. She made it to age 77 when her health sort of sputtered out two years after she died I found myself retiring from the ministry and taking up the mantle of school teacher its funny really through all those years when I watched her from a distance teaching working into the evenings readying herself for the next day I thought ain't no way I'm gonna be doing that for a living sometimes nowadays I walk over to the electric pencil sharpener in my classroom and punch in a yellow number two. I listen to the motor whine and then I smile.